We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder, cover the 49ers, and joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Kroger. What's up, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm chilling. I, I mean, I just got done cooking some nice medium-rare steak, uh, along with some stuffing and some broccoli. And I'm chilling. I feel great. What so about you, bro? Can, are, are you a good cook? I'm getting better. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good. But, you know, I'm good on the barbecue. I'm good at I've never really messed up anything I've ever cooked. Now, here's my cooking claim to fame. Do you know what a beef wellington is? <laughs> nah. All right. So here's what a beef wellington is. It's a piece of filet mignon steak. Um, that's kind of like, like a, a real thick like hockey puck kind of shape um and you have to and i'll just briefly run through how you how you cook this first you have to sear that steak and then you coat it in mustard and then you lay out 
pieces of really, really thin sliced ham called bruschetta. And then on top of that, you cover that with like this, this kind of like mix that you cook that's like garlic and onions and they're all diced. It kind of makes this like, like garlic and onion paste, you know, with mushrooms too. Mm -hmm. And you coat the really thin ham with that. And it's like the, the bruschetta and that, that coating, it's called the duck cells. It's like the size of a piece of paper. And then you put the, 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 the meat right in the middle of it. And then you roll it around it. So now the, that meat is completely covered with that mixture and the sliced ham, prosciutto. Um, then you kind of let that rest for a little bit. And then you get what's called puff pastry, which is like really, really soft like dough. And it's in like it comes in like a sheet. And then you take that piece of steak covered in the, all the stuff. You set that in the middle of the pastry. And then you like wrap it up like a gift. And you got to kind of like trim it to where it looks real nice. And then you you put that in the oven for like 45 minutes. And when it comes out, it's like this beautiful cooking masterpiece. It's like it's Gordon. You know Gordon Ramsay, that, that chef that's like super angry? The one that's like you're an idiot, like, or, or you are right, a sandwich right. or somewhere. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an idiot sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like his signature dish. Like he, and all you got to do is search beef Wellington, and it's it takes like three hours to cook, like with everything together. And I have cooked it twice, and it came out perfect every time. So like, that's like my cooking claim to fame because I've made something that's that hard and not screwed it up. So. I was going to ask the, you, like, the what made you and... like, what made you make it? Like, you just went, like, you just saw it on TV and was like, hmm, that looks good. Let me just try to make this beef Wellington thing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we we went to a place called Harris Ranch. It's in Kalinga in the Central Valley. Um, and we, me and my girlfriend, for, like, our anniversary, we ordered it. And, or I ordered it once. She tried it off my plate and was like, holy shish, this is amazing. So then the next time we went there, we we... We ordered it and we split it because we, it's really expensive food and we could never finish it. So we're like, we might as well split it and get like an appetizer and stuff. So once we had that, she she was like in love with it. She thought it was the greatest thing ever. So she asked me to cook it and I was really intimidated, but I decided to do it on Valentine's Day. And I was like so worried because that was like one of my gifts was to cook that for her. And I was so worried about screwing it up, but it came out okay. It was and great. It was so, so I know you cooked it tonight, right? Like, did you cook it? I know your wife has a, I mean, your girlfriend has a friend over. Did you cook it for like both of them? Like, no, no, no. Like she it? just, no, she, we just, well, we just made steak tonight. Um, oh, okay. But no, she came over right after we got done cooking, which, which I feel bad because she's like going to come into a house. that's like all like just smells amazing, but there's no food. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually texting you a picture of a beef Wellington right now that I cooked. So you, you listeners out there on Striking Gold are going to get Crocker's live reaction. Now, remember, it goes, in, it goes in the oven. So while it looks like rare, it's not. It's really hot. Like the whole steak is, is real hot. Oh, wow. Now that definitely looks like I, I'd have to try something like that. I'd have to try. Dude, it is it is good. And normally when it's cooked, it's cooked as like a big log. Like it's actually a huge section. That's kind of like one that's like individual. I think we split it in half anyways. But normally it's cooked in like a huge log and then it's cut into slices. And each person like gets a slice type of deal. Mm, yeah. um, but I, I made it almost like each person gets their own little beef wellington. That it was 
pretty amazing. That looks that looks amazing. It was. Dude, I, can't, it was I can't cook, so I don't have any uh, like fancy dishes or anything like that. Or, I mean, well, I'm not I, like an amazing chef, but I feel like everything I ever cook turns out movie. good. I like you. You make that. That's pretty. That's kind of next level. So you can cook. Like not not saying like you know, you're you're, you're like uh, amazing, but you you can cook some dishes. Yeah, I could, I could cook some dishes, bro. Yeah, see, I can't. If you, cook. If you let's say that you and 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 your wife were were coming through town, I I would cook something up for you, dude. And you guys would be you needed to stay here or something. You'd be you'd be well well taken care of. Yeah. See, I if you ever pass through Arkansas, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, just passing uh, by. Yeah, I was in the neighborhood. We would just, <laughs> we would have to just go up the street to Oceans and get some like. That's fine with down. me, man. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> I know we got a lot of 49 stuff to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we've been making it a thing, though. Like, we always get off topic in the beginning of the episode. I think it's our way of, like, weeding out the people that aren't the true believers. You know what I mean? Like, if, right. if they won't sit here and listen to us talk about Beef Wellingtons for, for six and a half minutes, then they're not really – they're not meant to be here on Strike I wonder if there's so. a way to, like, incorporate the listeners, like, to the first part. Like, as we're just kind of rambling on about our very exciting lives – um, you know, if there's something like, I don't know, that they would want to hear us talk about that's not 49er related. Uh, dude, we should do a mailbag that's not football related one time. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know if we get any questions because I think everybody would be like, well. Think, uh, we got some pretty cool, like, listeners. I yeah, think I, I think agree. People, even if we only got, like, three questions, um, I think that would be enough to kind of get us through this, uh, you know, first 10 minutes. That's true. That's true. Yeah, taking, take, yeah. So we're officially taking requests for what you want to hear us talk about at the beginning of the episode that does not pertain to football and the 49ers. So if you are, if you are listening now, then uh, you know use this opportunity to hit us up on Twitter and take advantage of uh, of the opportunity to dictate what we talk about because yeah, you know I learned a lot. Like by the, I mean, even before we cut this on, um, you know, I asked you a random question, right? I asked like, hey, like. You know, when you had to take your test, you know, to become a teacher, the CBAS and the other, you know, few tests, like how many times did it take you to, you know, get it down or pass it? Because most people I know, like, they like feel something like a portion of it or whatever and have to like, you know, retake it and stuff. And you pass with flying colors, man. Like you pass every single test on the first try. That had to be like a really good feeling too. to just get it. You know, take it, get it, you know, done, over with, passed it, boom, I'm ready to teach. Well, and, and the the thing with all the tests I took, I ended up taking seven different tests to from the from becoming a substitute teacher to become a teacher. Six of them were to become a teacher, um, and all of them had pretty significant like fail rates. Like there, are, it is very common to not pass them on the first try, and almost all of those tests when I left. After taking them, I was like, okay, if I don't pass, I won't be surprised. But then I kept getting the results to every single one of them. Pass, pass, pass. And I was like, I was, I kept saying, I was like, eventually I'm going to fail one. Like, it's just going to happen. Then boom, boom, boom. And I didn't, didn't fail a single one and, and rolled right into teaching. So it was nice. But what kind of questions I just, I felt like ask? I got lucky. It, it, it felt lucky, but, but what, I mean, what kind of cool. questions do they and then, Not even that, but like, I was able to get out of the military and go straight into getting my teacher credentials and get my master's degree and pa pass all those tests and then jump straight into a teaching job that 
is those are really rare because, you know, an art teach, excuse me, an art teaching job, art teaching jobs are rare because it's a great job. And most art teachers will just stay in that role until they retire, you know? So for me to come straight out of the military and straight out of school and all those tests to step right into an art teaching job was, uh, I got real lucky. I, I got real lucky. So, but anyways, 49ers things, training camp. Yeah. Training camp, training camp is officially, as far as we are concerned, coming to a close today. It is Sunday, August 30th. Today was their last practice. And starting next week, they actually have practice tomorrow. And then uh, this today was their last practice. It's like officially open to the media. Uh, they do have another practice tomorrow. Tuesday is the player's day off. And starting Wednesday, they start the official like practice, like regular season practice schedule where the media is only allowed to be there for a short beginning portion of of the practice and then they have to leave because obviously it's game planning and it's, and they're, they're there as Bill Belichick would say, uh, we're on to Arizona, you know, so the 49ers are, <clears throat> are preparing for their week one matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. So we, obviously we don't normally record on a Sunday night, but Crocker in his infinite wisdom and unending motivation hit me up and said, Hey man, training camp ended today. Let's jump on there and record another episode. So here we are. Here we are. And I, I think it's fair to say that the biggest storyline from training camp, although it isn't altogether positive, would be the amount of injuries the 49ers sustained. Now, I will preface that with saying the vast majority of them are not significant. You know, the only very, very significant injury that the 49ers sustained in training camp was second-year receiver Jalen Hurd, who tore his ACL and, and is obviously going to miss the entire season, but I will just, I'll, I'll run through it this way. Here are the, here are the players that did not practice today. Not hey, all of them. Before, were you, before you get you into go, it, you. I think when I, I have a question. So when you see guys tweet out like the list, is it, I can't explain it. Do they do certain or tweet out certain things to get a certain reaction out of fans? Because I think, like, the way it was kind of put out there, it looked as if, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's t- kind of time to panic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you, do you think they they intentionally put out those things, whether it's, uh, like, an injury or anything? Because they know that people are looking to their or, – or people are looking to their accounts to, you know, really find out what's going on. And 49ers obviously have had a quote-unquote issue with injuries. So do, do the beat writers put that out to kind of stir up things even more? Or do you think they're just, you know, hey, it's just my job to report and I'm just reporting this injury? I think it's it's much more of a it's my job to report thing. Now, I think that they know that when they tweet it, you know, as as I do when I, when I was doing that stuff, um, I think you know that it's going to get a reaction and you know that, the majority of the action, excuse me, the reaction from fans is probably going to be negative. You know, like you can call, you can always judge and or predict what the reaction to a certain tweet is going to be. But I think it, when it comes to just tweeting the amount of players that didn't participate in that practice, it's just one of those things like it has to be said. Like you can't just gloss over the fact that like half the 49ers starters didn't practice. Like, you know, it has to be said. The only thing that I would say is you can usually tell by the way it's worded 
whether or not any any whether it's a, a beat reporter or a you know a blogger or whoever the reaction they were going for like usually the beat reporters and all of them are, are outstanding in their own right they're usually just pretty straightforward about it here are the players that did not participate in practice today you know but they know that the reaction is going to be you know panic i guess you could say for a lot of fans but that's not necessarily their motivation for for putting that out there that makes sense yep makes sense i mean i know that like i i just having met and and been around all of them for so much i i know kind of what their their thinking is and their personality is and they wouldn't really take any joy in in putting that information out there but it's just it is it is what it is it's what it's got to be so so not practicing today on sunday you had fred warner linebacker Dre Greenlaw, linebacker, Javon Kenlaw, defensive rookie defensive lineman. And those three, I think, were kind of just kept out for like, you know, at this point, just trying to preserve their health come week one. But then from there on out, you had George Kittle, who's got like a tight hamstring, um, seems fairly insignificant. Like they're just being safe with him. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk has has a, a hamstring injury and he's week to week. So he might, he might not start uh, in week one. Brandon Ayuk, same thing, hamstring injury. He's also week to week. I think many people expect him to practice or, excuse me, uh, take part in week one. Um, but we'll see. Bose, Nick Bosa's got a leg strain, same thing. Like all these injuries, I think all these players are kind of expected to play against the Cardinals in two weeks. But, uh, you know, you also have Kwan Williams starting nickel cornerback. He's got a calf strain. He's week to week. Ben Garland injured his ankle, also week to week. Um, D. Ford has some calf tightness. He's kind of like day to day, pretty insignificant. Um, Ross Dwelly, backup tight end, is has a, a foot injury, and he's kind of it seems week to week. Um, and then you have uh, on kind of like trending towards positivity, you have Debo Samuel, who there were multiple reports that he was off the side of the field, sprinting full speed. Um, KP over at Niners Nation said that he was he was noticeably like spry and, and looked like he was ready to get back in there. They're obviously going to be very safe with him. He's their, you know, their their primary starting wide receiver. Um, so I think they're gonna play it easy. But I mean, that's positive news, right? I mean, the the fact yeah. that you know he, he broke his foot and you know now to issue some caution, those foot injuries, as we saw with Trent Taylor, I mean, he he's kind of an exception to the rule with some infections and stuff, but those foot injuries can be very fickle and he's got to be careful because he could easily re-break it. But um, it's, it's I looking mean, that's positivity. Better, it's, right. Yeah, it's looking better than what most people had kind of reported when it first happened, right? Because, you know, if you listen to most of the responses from, you know, 49ers Twitter as far as like, you know, kind of, loggers or you know beat writers it was like oh he's gonna miss four to six games and i think even some people have him missing a little bit more than that and it it does it sounds like he missed right now he's he would miss zero to two games max that that's what it sounds a little bit more like right right yeah i mean zero seems Seems I wouldn't say it seems more likely. Maybe it's 50-50 that he, he doesn't miss any games, or maybe he misses one or two. You right. know, which in the grand scheme of things is good. But I mean, they're they're weak. If if someone can play, 
week one, they're going to. Like, this is a divisional matchup against a Cardinals team that's coming up that looks good. You know, Kyler Murray's got another year under his belt. DeAndre Hopkins comes trotting in. Um, you know, they traded they traded for him for like a, a cookie. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's the Cardinals are no slouch. Like, I think that there's probably uh, plenty of people, including Kyle Shanahan in the building, that probably feel like the Cardinals present just as much of a challenge as the Seahawks do now. Right. And, and, and what's crazy right now is like the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals are all like, like formidable, you know, like this division's nuts. Right. I think, you know, with Debo Samuel, it's it's probably at this point not even so much the actual like injury. It's the getting in shape part, I think now. That is the yeah, extra, sure. that, that takes the extra little time, right? Because the injury, the healing process is a certain amount of time. And then after that, you have to spend you know, X amount of time uh, conditioning and getting your body in shape to be able to, you know, play in the actual game. So I think he's on to that part of his recovery process. I I, I would think they probably have done some extra. If he's running full speed and cutting and doing those type of things, I would assume that they've done like x-rays and his foot for the most part, it's healed uh, from the actual injury. I, I think now he's just on to, all right, you have to be in a certain kind of shape to, to to be able to play a full game and be the guy that we need. And, you know, practice, you know, leading up to the game. Because now, shoot, after this week, you know, next week you're getting ready for a game and then that's it. And he hasn't practiced at all. So he's going to have to be in good enough shape to not only get through practice, but be a guy that the 49ers could possibly lean on. So I think that's what, what part of the uh, recovery process he's in now um, getting in shape. I think that's a good point too, because I mean, he, the foot injury can be healed and the foot injury would be healed if he was out there sprinting. If it wasn't, if it wasn't healed, he wouldn't be doing that because it would not be sprinting or cutting or or any of that. Right. But it sounds like he was sprinting, you know, I think it was last week. And I think I saw a report today by one of the um, beat writers that, you know, he, Last week he was close to you know it was like you know eighty to eighty five percent you know like running and then it seems like now uh, from what we're hearing is like he's even doing you know sprinting even harder than that. Well, and and it, to your point, like sure he heals from the foot injury, but he goes back out there too soon and pulls his hamstring, and then he's out for a month. Right, you know, like that that wouldn't benefit anybody. So, if to Crocker's point, like him getting in shape and being ready to step out there week one and take the majority of reps on offense, um, that wouldn't it wouldn't matter at all if if he's not in shape, you know. And you could just risk risk you know a soft tissue injury, and and depending on what that would be, it would it would take more time to heal. So there's no sense in in rushing him into it. But again, if 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 there's if they feel confident about him. I think he'll play week one just because of the importance of that game, you know, and, and I think that's, that's kind of the same way they feel about a lot of these injuries, you know, George yeah. Kittle, of course, Kyle Juszczyk, maybe Brandon, I probably Nick Bosa, of course, K1 Williams, probably Ben Garland may, you know what I mean? Like most yeah. of them. It's not like Derwin James. Right? One. Like we, we, we got right. the, the alerts, you know, Derwin James was you know injured and it was like, he will miss significant time. Like, that's not what the 49ers are facing with any no. uh, other guys, you know, outside of, like, Jalen Hurd. But any any guys that I think were, like, 
quote unquote projected starters, it's, it doesn't sound like anyone outside of maybe uh, Ridgeburg is going right. to, yeah. you know, I mean, miss any so- significant amount of time. It, if I had to guess, and especially with the way the NFL works, they would probably I'd be more I'd be more willing to bet that guys will pretty much all play week one. Like I'm that's kind of where my head is now. Like I think, you know, week one, uh I'm just especially against the Cardinals. I think if it were the Jets and the Giants, you know, week one and two, uh, or you know, especially like week one, I think you might hold off a little bit. But you 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 can't fall behind or you wouldn't you wouldn't want to fall behind on the eight ball with a divisional game, which, you know, would start you off on one against a divisional opponent that you swept last last season. And it was a, it's a home game. Um, I think you want, if you can have everybody out there, you're, you're going to put them out there. And one thing that we've heard a lot of fans say is, Hey, don't rush Debo Samuel back. Um, at the end of the day, if, if the, if the doctors clear him to play, he's going to be out there. So, that's, I'm pretty sure that's all they're waiting on. Right. And I think I think that's a good um, – kind of a good segue. I'm going to open up some words for our, our sponsors. But when we come back from that, um, we're going to start talking about the 49ers wide receiver core. And obviously we've been talking about Debo. But there's a lot to talk about there. And we're going to get to it uh, when we come back. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for DoorDash delivery. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contact delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE, $5 off DoorDash. In addition to DoorDash, we've got NFL Sunday ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. We're two weeks out. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You're never going to miss your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I don't know about you, dude, but I use DoorDash like all the time. Do you have you ever used DoorDash? No, and I'm definitely not using it in my. First of all, I don't even think we have it, babe. Do we have DoorDash here in Montana? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we really have DoorDash out here. Um, and there's no like Uber or 
uh, lift at all, which, you know, I guess in a town like this, you, I mean, you can ride your bike uh, from one end of the town to the other in like 10 minutes. So it's, it's really crazy. It's unique kind of being out this way. But yeah, no, there's no no DoorDash out this way that I know of. Is it, are you living like a town where everybody waves at each other? Uh, I wouldn't say everybody waves at each other, but everybody knows <laughs> each other <laughs> for the most part. I mean, and then they know if you're not from here, I'm pretty sure they know, like, oh, this dude is not from Monticello. <laughs> it is weird. They they say um, it's, it's pronounced Monticello, but they, they end, everything that ends with an O, they end it with an A. So they call it Monticello. Huh. Or like, um, they'll say instead of Colorado, it's Colorado. <laughs> that, yeah. You know what they remind me of is my dad, whenever he would make potatoes for breakfast, he would always call them potatoes. Yeah. yeah oh, 100%. That's what they're calling them out here. Potatoes. <laughs> and my dad's been lived in California all his life. So I don't know where southern, he got he's that. Southern but... heart. He's southern heart. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe there's something I don't know about my family, but like, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> But I, anyways, the only reason I ask is I use DoorDash all the time, especially with all the COVID stuff happening. We didn't want to go out when we didn't have to, um, or shoot like when I got it and I wasn't going anywhere, you know, unless, unless my girlfriend was cooking everything. Sometimes we just want to get DoorDash and like, and I even signed up for their, like their premium membership where you, if you, it's like $10 a month, but you don't ever pay any delivery fees and they take off like some of the fees. So you can like, you only have to order it like two times a month to like pay for itself. But it's like nice, man. They just you order it, they just leave it at your door and they ring your doorbell and they walk away. Like and then you My got wife food, has right? used it. I mean, you know, obviously when we're back in California and Stockton, but out here there's definitely no need. No need for man. It. I mean it, it like I said, I, like we talked about earlier, I can cook and we cook plenty of stuff in here, but sometimes you just don't feel like cooking. And then if you're really like so there's like the laziness of I don't feel like cooking. And then there's like the ultimate laziness of just bring me my food. So like, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes that's what we do. But I, I mean, I use DoorDash. So, I mean, jump on there. Use the the promo code, the Blue Hour promo code on there and, and get yourself some some discounted stuff. Because, I mean, I love DoorDash. It, and there's so many, just because Fresno is such a huge town, um, there's a ton of choices. I can pretty much get everything. So it's nice. I like it. It seems like over the past like month, the 49ers have been like door dashing receivers to the <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to the <laughs> facility. <laughs> that's a good segue because that's uh, like I said, that's what we're going to talk about right now. So yeah, hell yeah, they have man. They've had their own like personal wide receiver delivery service because they just have not been able to to stay healthy or or, or, or at least like we talked about last week, just maintain some numbers because so like. Even if they're not on the team anymore, what have all, who are all the receivers that have been added? You got Kevin White, Tavon Austin, JJ Nelson, who just got placed on injured reserve, Jerron Brown, who was cut, River Craycraft, and um, Benjamin opted out. So I mean, there's there's more little flux there. Did I did I miss any of them? I as think far as that's like, it. it. It probably, I mean, that's still a lot of guys. It probably seems like even more because they worked out so many guys. But yeah, I right. think you, I think you, I think you nailed it with, with all the guys. I hope we didn't leave anybody off. Sounds this, that sounds about right. <laughs> so it's yeah, because they and they've worked out about twice that amount. So it, it it's just been unreal how many 
you know, receivers have, have either suffered injury or left or come in or, and all that stuff. So to me, that's and, and Crocker is the one that actually brought this up. But to me, one of the biggest storylines or to us, one of the biggest storylines of training camp is just how this wide receiver position is going to shake out, because there's so many. Like question marks and, and I don't know about it. What, do you, what are your thoughts, man? I, I'm really, I, I, it's hard to say like, oh, I'm just 100% confident. I think I'm, I'm, I'm confident in the fact that I, I believe they have the guys in house that they need to be successful offensively. So, you know, everybody's healthy. I think it's a, it's a really nice young um, explosive group of receivers, you know, outside of born who isn't like explosive, but you know, a solid, uh, possession receiver. So I think they have, you know, and Trent Taylor, you know, similar, but they, they have everything that they need. I think like best case scenario, if Dante Pettis can be more consistent, I think you're really cooking with something. If you have a healthy Debo, Ayuk and Pettis. Now I, I don't know, you know, from week to week or player to play, how consistent Dante Pettis will be. But if he is who we think he can be, right? And we were kind of, you know, we had our opinions on Pettis last week. But uh, if he is who we think he can be, this this offense can be really good and super dynamic, super dynamic. But again, there's there's a lot of ifs. Uh, you have Trent Taylor coming back from injury. Uh, Shoes now, IU, Debo, both coming back from you know an injury this offseason. Uh, you're bringing in guys like uh, Tavon Austin, who is it sounds like he's done well with the opportunity and maybe well enough to do to make the roster. Now, the only thing you don't know about with these um rosters, uh, you know, cut downs is sometimes even though a guy does well because he's a veteran. They'll they'll release him because remember if 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 a veteran starts the starts is starts the season on the fifty three man roster or fifty five man roster, uh, his contract for the entire year is guaranteed. So a lot of times what they do is they'll they'll release him to keep the younger guy, and then now after that they can re-sign that guy. Say you know week one or week you know week two or whatever they they can bring that guy back. But now he's pretty much kind of like week to week, and his contract isn't like necessarily guaranteed for the entire year, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, even a guy like Austin, who it sounds like he's been very productive and sounds like almost like, you know, kind of reliable, or they've kind of found some type of role, and you think that he would make it, but sometimes just the politics of, you know, the money makes it so a guy like him, him does it. But uh, outside of uh, Tavon Austin, there's two guys who are really intriguing. One, the Craig, Craig, Craig Craft guy. Um, I watched him, you know, just some workout videos. And you know me, I'm, I'm a big movement guy. Um, and I was watching him and just, there was a lot to like. In the sense of, you know, for somebody that's his size, which he he's basically kind of like a jumbo size Trent Taylor. And I don't want to just say that because they're both white guys, but... Um, you know, a slot guy, maybe not the fastest. You know, he played at Washington State. But I was watching him, man, and he looked good. And he set up his routes very well. And he was, you know, explosive out of his cuts. And 
And I was like, man, I, I can see why they, they liked him and decided to sign him based off watching him work out in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. And then Kevin White, uh, one of the beat writers put out a video and it was like, hey, this is the first time we're able to watch, you know, Kevin, Kevin White, you know, and he's running routes. And all he did was run a couple routes. And I said, wow, that looks really good. <laughs> and of course, the, you know, it should look good. They're, you know, they are professional athletes. Uh, you know, Kevin White is a professional athlete, but it it looked it looked really good to me to where I was like, wow, that I, I like what I'm seeing there. And you know, you would think that maybe there is there could be something there if he can maybe stay healthy, if that has been the issue um for the most part throughout his career. And then it sounds like today I, I want to say I was reading something from Grant Cohn saying he got behind DBs twice on post routes downfield, uh, but the ball was just like overthrown or whatever both times. So he, you know, he beat reserve guys uh, vertically twice, and you know there is a need for that type of guy. You know, the big body, the six three two ten guy who can actually stretch the field vertically as well. You know, a lot of people were excited about uh, uh, Jalen Hurd, and that was my only thing I had a little bit of reserve with Hurd and Jennings too. Is Okay, they got the size, and that is really nice, but it would be nice to have somebody with size and can stretch the field vertically. And it sounds like Kevin White has been able to do that. Now, again, I don't know what their plans are for him or what type of role he might have or if he even makes it. You know, I don't know. But I do know I've been waiting for the 49ers to get somebody like that. And, you know, no – no disrespect to anybody that they have had, like like Jennings or uh, Hurd, but Kevin White, not just because of the, the name or anything like that, but just from what I'm hearing he's doing, that excites me more than the other two guys. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's no way that, you know, there's no way that you couldn't find the idea of Kevin White, like, somehow returning to form exciting. You know, like, this is a guy, I think he went seventh overall or or close to that and, and, you know, to the bears. And, and he is, you know, he is just an, I remember watching him coming out of, out of the, out of school. And he's just an, an animal. Like, dude, I was, he was like far and away my favorite receiver of that draft class. Like he is just a beast. He's got great size. He's got great movement. He's got great speed, but it just didn't work out. You know, he's battled injuries and he, and he hasn't able been, been able to catch on and, you know, who knows, it, it, but obviously out of all everybody that was added, he has the most like wow potential. It just usually doesn't work out like that, but right. I mean, it, it doesn't, know, I mean, he, cause he, I mean, what was he on the jets last year? I think he spent a little bit of time there. I think if you think even on his, his player logs, like it just has him, has him as being on the, the bears for three years. I, I mean, I don't even, let me see. Yeah, it just says Chicago for three years, but I, I want to say he spent a very small amount of time on another team, right? Yeah, I think it was. The, I don't know why. I think it's because those are he, he, those are his three regular seasons where he logged games, and then it doesn't have anything for 2019. So, I mean, wherever he was last year, <laughs> he obviously didn't do anything. Oh, um, so, Cardinals. Right. Yeah, he signed that in 2019. He was released, so he just didn't play anywhere last year. Yeah, see, so, yeah, typically you you don't see a great comeback story, especially from a guy who hasn't been uh, uh, 
productive. There have been guys who just uh, blossomed later in their career, like, uh, you know, Brandon Lloyd, who was a pedestrian receiver. I mean, he had amazing catches. He was like my favorite player to watch uh, when I was a kid, favorite receiver to watch growing up. But, you know, just because of the wow factor and the amazing catches that he made on like a weekly basis for the 49ers. But his, his production for the 49ers, and let me bring up, uh, Brandon Lloyd stats. His production for the 49ers, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. And then he he left the 49ers and he just kind of started taking off. So let me pull up his numbers real quick. All right, so Brandon Lloyd with the 49ers. In, in, in three seasons, that's weird because most contracts are like four years now, but um, I remember he was like a mid-round draft pick. He had 200 catches year one, uh, played in 16 games. 565 uh, yards or 200 yards uh, year one, 565 yards year two, 733 yards uh, year three. Now, definitely more productive than Kevin White, I'd assume. Um, And then, now this is the crazy part. After that, uh, 2006, uh, let's see, 365 yards for Washington, 14 yards for Washington, then went to Chicago. 364 yards. And then Denver, 117. Now now he's like getting older now, right? He's, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in. And now it wasn't until year eight, after coming off of a 117-yard season for Denver, he cut for 1,400 yards. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, wait, what? Like, that's how, like, how much you... How many yards he had throughout his entire career? And then the following year, he had almost a thousand yards. Um, you know, his career like was really strange, really strange. But um, you know, if you believe in a great comeback story and you want hope for a guy like Kevin White who has the athletic ability, and oh, okay, let's see if he can put it all together. Can the 49ers get something out of him? Maybe that gives some guys some hope that, you know, hey, maybe there is something there. I doubt it. Usually it doesn't happen like this. Usually I'll go from, you know, 300 yards, 14 yards, 300 yards, 117 yards, and then 1,450 yards. That usually doesn't happen. And 11 touchdowns that year. Um, but, uh, you know, Kevin White, he definitely has a, a very uh, nice nice little skill set if you can put it all together to stay healthy. Right, yeah. And the, and the big thing, when you were talking about Pettis earlier, and we mentioned this before we started recording on the podcast, like I could see Pettis – and you, there rare, very rarely can you say this about any player competing for a roster spot. But like I can see Pettis having a huge role this season, and you know, let's say even with with Debo and Ayuk back on the field, I could see Pettis having a huge role this season. You know, maybe getting five, six, seven hundred yards. You know, like somebody who was a, a a big time player in the offense. I could also see him not making the roster. So it's like, you know. Like like we've said, someone what like what would he have to do to not make the roster though? I don't know. It doesn't sound like he's done that. You know what I mean? Like the only maybe and maybe it's not even in his hands. Maybe it's what somebody else did. You know, to to make him seem expendable. You know, or but I would think given he's you know it's it's only his third year. He's a second round pick. For team traded up for him, and he, and obviously in his rookie year he showed what he can do in the NFL. He's a legit. NFL receiver. It's, it's, there's just obviously things going on uh, that we don't know about in regards to you know what kept him from 
continuing to blossom as a player. But right. you know, I, if if you if I had to guess, I would say obviously Dante yeah. Pettis makes the roster. But he has to make it by default. I mean, just because right. Debo and I, you know, being out for a while and him taking a lot of reps and you know, week one status to both guys kind of being up in the air. You, you, he has to make it just off the, the, the fact of that. Now, if, if all things were equal and Debo and Ayuk were healthy this entire time, you know, we might be having a different discussion. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's just so many. Okay. So, I mean, if you were, it's not like we're predicting the roster right now, but you've got Brandon Ayuk, obviously. You got Kendrick Bourne, obviously. You got, Debo Samuel, who, whether or not he's, he, he's not going to start the year on like a pup list because they, you know, he'll be available pretty early on, if not to start week one. So you got another one, you know, and then you have, you know, just, just has Trent Taylor done enough to make the roster again. It sounds like it, sounds like you know, and, and there's four guys right there. And then you've got Dante Pettis as a fifth guy. And then you have you just have the whole list of guys who could be, you know, you have Tavon Austin, River Quake, River Quake Raft. Uh, Jawan Jennings, who is the, uh, a seventh round rookie this year, and Kevin White, and so you have you have this group of of dudes who are all competing for that sixth spot. Maybe they keep seven, but given the the quality of the 49ers roster at this point, sometimes it's hard to to keep you know a, a multitude of guys at one position like that. You know, it's just it's just tough. So there's just so many different scenarios that could come into play with the 49ers receivers, but like you mentioned briefly earlier, like if, if Dante Pettis returns to what he was as a, it can, can claw his way back to, to being anything close to what he showed at the end of that rookie season and Brandon Ayuk's healthy and he continues to kind of do what everybody said he was doing before he uh, injured his hamstring in training camp, Debo Samuel keep, you know, I mean, like there is a legit chance and that's not even taking into account somebody like George Kittle and Jordan Reed, but like there's a legit chance that the 49ers receiving core is just on fire. You know, if, if some things work, obviously some things have to work out, but they've got some, uh, they've got some impressive pieces there. If, if everybody can just find their stride. And to me, like this obviously has no real science or no real bearing, but like the 49ers are just due for some, a little bit of luck at that spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, the, the amount of injuries they've taken and the amount of like hell that group has been through in a way, like I just feel like maybe things are going to work out for that group this year, you know, but maybe that's also like a, a knock on wood moment. But at the same time, like I just feel like somebody like Trent Taylor, who has just looked so good at times and just hasn't been able to go out there and do his thing. Like maybe this is a year he gets to go out there and do his thing type, type of stuff like that. That is not really, it's not real reporting. It's not real science. It's just like, God damn, like just let these guys eat like for once. But like I said, they have the guys and they all have the diversity. I, I think, you know, if you had to choose one guy, I know who I would choose, but just to, uh, I think Brennan Ayuk has the highest ceiling. I don't want to say ceiling, but if I had to guess like who's just going to take over that role, as like a pure wide receiver, one guy, I, there's just something about Brandon Ayuk that I just really like, man. And hearing all the see, reports. Did you see that picture of him that the 49ers took where he was going up and over Marcel Harris? Like he was like four feet off the ground. And then he has like 80 something inch arms. Yeah. 
And like that dude was, he was up there. His you wingspan know, so. is like the same as Calvin Johnson's. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, There's just so something he, about him. I, man. I agree with you, man. He could be. And then you take into account, like you were saying a few weeks ago, his relative inexperience at the position, yet he's already impressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then impressive to the point where, you know, you hear, I think it was Mayoko say, hey, you know, this this guy has been the most active rookie I've ever seen. And, you know, this is somebody that's going back, what, 26 years with the 49ers. You know, we're talking about since Terrell Owens, who, you know, he was a third-round pick. But, you know, throughout all the years, every rookie receiver, you know, he's seen them all come through camp. And this is a guy, you know, Ayuku is thrown in, into the fire pretty much and answered the call. And, you know, at the time of his, you know, Miles Strain was leading the 49ers uh, receivers in catches from Jimmy Garoppolo, which sounds like something small, but I think that's kind of a big note there, you know, for for a guy that's starting off in an offense that's supposed to be, you know, super difficult to kind of pick up. And for him to be able to kind of catch on to that and be himself, if that continues, you know, we're, we're everybody thinks that the 49ers is going to do everything by committee. You know, not. I think Kyle's just looking for guys to step up and just be the guy. And if he can find guys that are just the guy, then he can scheme more of his game plan around that guy, just like there he does nothing, with George Kittle. Yeah, there was nothing by committee when he was in Atlanta. That was the Julio <laughs> Jones show. Like, if Kyle right, Shanahan yeah. has a Julio Jones, it's going to be the Julio Jones show. You just, you know, it's it's a lot of teams don't have that guy, you know, and right. it, it just has to be that way. Yeah, so, so that I, I'm I'm anxious to kind of just see like I, I I fully expect him to be on the field week one, and then I just want to see what they do with him, and you know does he get five catches you know out the gate, and does he you know who demands uh, Patrick Peterson to cover them you know because I still don't know who 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 is opposite is it is it Murphy is it Byron Murphy. That's opposite uh, Patrick Peterson. If so, I, you know, I, I'll take the 49ers receivers against him, which I like him, but he's not the most athletically gifted receiver. And he he can kind of have trouble with some of these um, younger, you know, explosive receivers the 49ers have. Right. So, I mean, it's it – goes, but then another kind of like how we're talking about how if guys work out, then this could happen. I think the ultimate if this guy works out – for the 49ers right now is Jordan Reed. Like, and, and, and he's slowly been easing his way back into practice. And with George Kittle sitting out right now, it sounds like Jordan Reed is legit starting to, you know, insert himself as like the tight end one when Kittle's not there, i.e. tight end two, if, if, if he makes the roster, which I'm assuming he's going to make the roster. But I mean, when the 49ers first signed Jordan Reed, there was, you know, there was legit NFL players going like, George Kittle and Jordan Reed, like, are you kidding me? And, you know, obviously Jordan Reed has, has dealt with a lot of health issues. He's dealt with a lot of injuries, and he's also had like seven concussions. But he just said today that that this is the most fun he's ever had playing football, which, you know, I mean, that could mean something. It could mean nothing. But, you know, this is a guy who's starting to, to show his worth in training camp right at the end, and and it's a matter of, you know, what he does in the, in the time between now and roster cuts. But 
like, dude, I mean, we're talking about the 49ers receiving core and what they could be if everybody hits their stride. You know, if Jordan Reed comes in hot and opposite George Kittle, like imagine if the 49ers come out in like, let's say, let's just say two wide receivers, two tight ends. You have Jordan Reed, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Like, like good luck. You know what I mean? There's it's. That's Especially when guys start moving around and going in motion and, you know, you start off with, you know, two receivers tied to the left and then Debo goes in motion right and then Kittle shifts and, and then at the snap they just start going all kind of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd, be, that'd be a nice little uh, I thing I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan will take advantage of for sure. Well, you can just I see like right now like from- Debo Samuel darting across the back of a formation and then, you know, he's he's on Jordan Reed's side and then he motions to the other side. And then George, Jordan Reed runs some, you know, leak route to where, you know, the opposite of direction of Debo Samuel's moving and he's wide open. You know what I mean? You can just see it now. Like yeah. Kyle Shanahan, if, if he gets the opportunity to have all these guys healthy, he's just going to go to town. Yeah. I'm excited about uh, Reed as well. Like, I mean, I think that's the one guy you can count on to just beat guys with pure routes, right? Like George Kittle. um, he definitely can win with routes. Uh, I think you do. He is someone that you probably would have to scheme scheme open a little bit more than a Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, man, like the way he beats guys, you know, with, with his routes and his body and his sudden movements, uh, it's it's really it's really nice to see. You know, watching some of the videos coming out of training camp. No, one one thing that I want you to talk on, and this and, and this is another big training camp storyline as we've gone on that hasn't really been talked about that much. But um, what do you think about Emmanuel Mosley versus Akella Witherspoon? What do you what are your thoughts on that? You know, who do you think the guy should be, and and you know, or or what do you think's how do you think it's working out? Well, you know, man, it's just so tough with you know you and I not there, but I I just think that. Mosley will Mosley is going to be the guy. I, I the the good thing with them is I you know I think you know opposite Richard Sherman they have two guys that they are fine with starting and I don't want to count out Jason Verrett and any role that he might have. I don't think that you know maybe that opposite side is like you know just high level, but I think you have guys that you know you're fine with starting, especially if Verrett is. Um, you know, more confident coming off of, you know, what, a whole year or two now, you know, removed from the, the Achilles injury. I, I think uh, they they have, I think they're fine there at corner for the year. Now, again, I, and I've said it before, you know, ne- this offseason coming up, next offseason, they're definitely going to have to go all in on solidifying, you know, multiple cornerback spots. But as of now, you know, this year, I think I think they're fine with the guys that, that will roll out there. I was a little more worried when Dante Johnson had to play a little bit, but and he's still on the roster. Isn't that crazy? Dante Johnson's still on the roster? <laughs> it is weird, And he's bro. not even in, it like, a nasty weird. number. Because I think last year, like, he he was in, like, number 48. Yeah, like, 48. Yeah, he's not he's number 27 now, man. I mean, once you start getting those good numbers – you kind of, you know, you're kind of in there. So I'll be anxious to kind of see. And we haven't heard. I mean, have we even heard? I haven't seen any report mentioned Dante Johnson at all. Not no. one time. No, I've heard some of the either. other guys, and I wasn't really high on them. 
well, there was um, AC, who, you know, obviously he was released. And then the other one, uh, Harris, right? Not right. Marcel yeah. Harris. Harris from uh, uh, Virginia. Right. Um, I've heard his name. At, I've at least seen somebody write something about him. I haven't seen anything on Dante Johnson. And that could be either really good or just really bad because he's so bad. Everybody's like, might just as well not even mention it. Disregarding it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I don't think that would be the case. So I think, you know, him not hearing anything, he's probably just, you know, done his job, which is fine. Right. Right. Well, and in addition to, I mean, one of the, 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 the only really problem spot on the 49ers roster right now is at center. You know, there's the competition between Mosley and, you know, Witherspoon. That's good stuff because it's two guys who, who have shown that they can do it. You know, uh, Witherspoon's maybe struggled a little bit more, but he's, he's also flashed some serious talent at times. And, and you know, those guys competing and obviously Mosley's shown that he can, he can hang with the spot. So those two guys competing is good. But at the same time at center, you have Weston Richburg, who tore his patellar tendon last season, and he's he's a cannon. He's expected to start the year on the pup list, which means I believe it means he's going to miss the first either six or eight games. So he's not going to be back anytime soon. And then you have essentially the 49ers kept uh, you know un, an undrafted guy um, out of the a, uh, AAF, the old defunct football league, Daniel Brunskill, who was really well, uh, who played really well at tackle for when the 49ers had injuries last season. But now they've got him trying it, trying out at center. But he's also expected to be the front runner for the guard position because Ben Garland is hurt. And Ben Garland is, I think he's still expected to be healthy for week one, but he's who took over for Richburg after that injury and, and closed out the 49ers Super Bowl run. And he, and he did fine. So, you know, he's hurt right now, but he should be the leading guy. And you got Brunskill doing it right now. And apparently – He's struggling to to get his snaps where they need to be. I know that when they had their one practice at Levi Stadium, Brunskill hiked the ball up over Jimmy Garoppolo's head, and I think at that point Kyle Shanahan was get the offense the f off the field, and it sounded like he was pretty pissed. So, you know, that's like an, just a, an interesting position right there. That's really something to watch because, you know, with all the confidence, I would say that the 49ers offensive line should have because you got Trent Williams who by all reports is, is just as good as he's ever been uh, over there at left tackle. Then you've got Lincoln Tomlinson, who's super reliable. Brunskill apparently was doing a great job at guard before he had to go to center. And then uh, Mike McGlinchey is, is solid at, at right tackle. So it's, you know, what should have been a position group that a lot of people had confidence in, and they just, they can't find a center right now. So that'll be a little interesting to watch come. And, and we don't get to see, Anything in preseason this year, obviously. So uh, it's it, we'll see what that looks like come regular season. But on the on the flip side of things, you have the defensive line that is just absolutely stacked still with a lot of guys. Like they're going to have to cut some talented defensive linemen this year. You know, you have you have the obvious guys like Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, D Ford, D J Jones. Um, Solomon Thomas, although he hasn't worked out by all, by all means, he's, you know, he's going to be an important kind of depth rotation piece this year. Then you have Javon Kinlaw and the, but then you have a lot of guys who I didn't even mention. You have Deion Jordan, who, you know, is kind of like a backup edge guy, but he's not a guaranteed a roster spot. You have Contavious street, who is a, you know, fourth round pick from two years ago, who is, you know, getting healthy. 
Kerry Heider, who's a veteran that I think they like a lot, who he's, you know, he's competing for that like rotational depth role. You have Kevin Givens, who is an undrafted guy, but you know, he's, he's actually got a lot of positivity around him. So it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of like, you know, that's a position where they're going to have to cut some guys that are probably going to be immediately claimed by other teams, you know, as opposed to the offensive line where they're trying to figure out who's who and who's going to start. The defense is just overwhelmed with guys that, you know, they might not all be like holy shish impact starters, but there's a lot of guys there that are going to have a big role this season as rotational guys. And they're, like I said, they're going to cut some guys that are going to get immediately picked up by other teams because they know that the 49ers defensive line is stacked and the guys that they're going to cut might have a better chance at having an impact on other teams. So, I mean, that's some pretty, that's a pretty ridiculous position right there. And that's not like, you know, I would say that they're even kind of loaded at wide receiver, but there's a lot of question marks as to whether or not stuff's going to work out. Whereas that's not nearly as prevalent, prevalent on the defensive line. You just got a stacked group that by all means is going to be just as good this year as they were last year, at least pretty much everybody expects them to. So, I mean, anything else? I mean, are we missing anything, Crocker? I guess we couldn't really talk about training camp without Jimmy G, right? Right. So, you uh, know, what, what do you – it sounds like he's been, he's been a lot more decisive, which I think, you know, at least I expected going into, you know, or coming into a season after his first full season starting under Kyle Shanahan and kind of getting that experience, probably getting that confidence, uh, sounds like he's been, you know, kind of playing without the knee brace. Um, I think there's just a lot of mental hurdles that he's had to kind of jump over. And clearly there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, you know, coming off of a Super Bowl loss in a game which he, you know, missed a throw that could have possibly won the game. But now it's it's just taking that next step. And, you know, who is he going to be? And maybe the defense does take a step back or, you know, or, you know, isn't as just pure dominant as they were last year being the number one defense in the league and one of the top scoring defenses in the league. Uh, you know, maybe they're just, you know, maybe just barely top 10 defense. You know, what's Jimmy going to do to make sure that the 49ers still kind of get back to, you know, being, a, you know, a playoff team? And it sounds like he, you know, more decisive. Uh, you know, he's he's thrown some interceptions, which I'm not too worried about because I, I kind of want him to just play free, you know, play free, play free of 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 kind of fear. I was listening to Chris Sims and, you know, his dad goes on there sometimes, uh, you know, Phil Sims, and they were talking about interceptions and, and they were saying that, you know, at times it looked like Aaron Rodgers was playing to protect his touchdown and interception ratio. They're like, nah, man, like, let it rip. And you're a talented enough guy to where, you know, even if you do kind of throw an interception because you kind of went for something, like, okay, like, that's fine. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to kind of come back from that. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, proved that he can do that last year where he threw, you know, multiple interceptions in games and the 49ers still were able to pull off wins. I want him to continue to be aggressive, but, you know, obviously uh, I, I think you should still see an improvement. Even if he has, you know, 10, 11 interceptions uh, again, you should still see just a more efficient offense because there were times where 
it, it looked like it was just a little bit too dependent on the run game. But, you know, in fairness to him, at times when he did have to kind of carry the load, I thought he did well at that. Uh, but I just kind of want to see him take the next step. And probably a bigger thing I want to see is just a little bit more downfield throwing, taking a few more chances uh, vertically. Because teams just started kind of condensing the field and everything had to be pinpoint accurate. And that's kind of tough to continue to try to, you know, win like that week in and week out. I, I, I want to see them kind of stretch the field. And hopefully that's the next uh, evolution of, of of this offense. Well, and, I, and going back to what you started saying, like, I don't care if he throws interceptions in camp. You know, that's the funniest thing. One of the funniest things to me is is watching people overreact to the interceptions that Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing to his own teammates that are part of a, a you know, for the most part, a dominant defense. So, like, you know, everybody wants to, to immediately react to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception without mentioning the fact, and this goes back to something Crocker and I have joked about all the time, like, it's always the offense that's screwing up and it's not the defense doing something great. You know, like, and that's just not really how training camp works. Like not every interception is, you know, each, each side of the ball has a chance to make a play on any given snap. So it's just a way of looking at it. And, and even Jimmy Garoppolo said himself, like, look, I'm going to try throws that I might not try in a regular season game, but I'm going to try them right now because I can and it's training camp and there's no consequences. And, and I want to, I want to see what I can pull off in this type of setting as opposed to doing it in a regular season game and just looking like a fool. So there's, there's really like, you know, with the overreactions, the overreactions to, you know, training camp interceptions is funny, especially when you read about them a little more and they're, you know, they're tip balls that, you know, other people are, are grabbing in the air and, and not, that could be a quarterback's fault, but a lot of times it isn't. And, it's just, it's just funny. And I, and I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take another, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to say like how much, but I do think he's going to have a better season this year than he did last year. You know, he's, he's for the most part, he, sometimes he wears the brace, sometimes he doesn't, but he's another year removed from an injury that was surely on his mind last year. And especially, another, I remember in the Broncos game where he kind of got hit while throwing and he like, kept his leg in the air to kind of prevent him from putting a lot of like pressure on it. So early on, I, that was something that was definitely on his mind, but, but go ahead. Well, it's in, in addition to that, it's, it's just a matter of it's, it's the same thing. It's like a year removed from that injury, but it's also another year in Kyle Shanahan's system, a system that, you know, is, is very well known as being very complex. So another, you know, it's, it's going, it's getting to the point where Garoppolo is, is one of the more senior members of the offense. And, and that's the way it should be for a quarterback. So, you know, I expect him to, to take another step forward and just show that he's that much more comfortable with the way things go. And, 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 but for the most part, don't, don't read into the, the training camp interceptions because somebody like that, who is developing his command for that offense is going to start saying, okay, instead of, I know I could go with this throw on this play, but I want to see if I can hit this one. And maybe that's you know a, a lower percentage throw that yields high, better results. But if if you can't make those, if you can't try those in training camp, like when are you going to try them? You know, in, in practice, you know, it's just it's it's just silly to act like all training camp interceptions are like a deep, dangerous, like foreboding of what you're going to see in the regular season because 
that's just not the case. Not to mention the fact that you're playing against a defense who pretty much knows every single one of your plays. And, you know, it's just a matter of how quickly they can recognize it. So Now, with Jimmy G and the interceptions, I would say, like, one thing from last year to this year, I would rather not see the bad interceptions, right? Like oh, the, yeah. the interceptions to the to the Cardinals or, you know, like those. Like if you if you throw a pass because, you know, you're going deep and the DB makes a great play and picks it off, like those I'm I'm really fine with. The interceptions to, you know, Kendricks in the Vikings playoff game where you just don't see the underneath, you know, defender dropping in the coverage. Like those are kind of the ones you would hope that he he limits this year. Well, and there yeah. was and there was a couple more in that same game that probably should have been picked off. And the Seahawks game on Monday Night Football. Yeah, he, he just had some games where it's like you're, you're just not seeing the underneath defenders. And I don't know if that was him just focusing so much on, you know, where he thinks his receiver should be. And no matter what, he, you know, maybe he doesn't have a full grasp on the offense and he's going to throw it there no matter what. Or this guy just can't see the field well, which I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I think even Kyle said, mentioned something about – how he has to be able to, and I don't know if he used this word, but he has to he has to be better with his eye discipline. I think in manipulating. Right. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're cutting out a little bit right now, dude. So oh. give it a, it'll it'll come back around. It it did it earlier, and I didn't mention it. So every now and then Crocker starts to starts to cut out a little bit. But one of them that you guys won't even notice because we're gonna edit it out. But here, try talking again, Crocker. Are you smooth now? Am I smooth now? Am I back? A little bit, still a little choppy, but. It happens. It happens. But I don't know, man. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you, though, in the fact that we don't want to see, like, we want to limit, I think we'll probably still see some of them, but, you know, obviously the less Jimmy throws, the better. You know, like the bad Jimmy Garoppolo, as Grant likes to call him, because there's certainly a good Jimmy Garoppolo where we see these incredible throws with his super quick release and he just fits it into such a tight window and he's able to do that because defenders don't even have a time to react to a throw because he throws it so quickly. But at the same time, you know, something like the Bucks game too, where he just doesn't see the defender there and he kind of just chucks it. So it's just a matter of, of him, you know, developing. And I'm hoping that's a, a factor of, of his more time in the system is, is there's less throwing to, you know, there you could tell that some of those throws he had determined who he was going to throw it to before the snap, and and in a lot of plays, you know, obviously they have first reads, but you know there were plenty of times where the defense should have told him not to make that throw, and he just didn't see it like that. So, you know, hopefully that's a case of of giving more time within the system, and he can he can begin to iron himself out and just just be a little bit more consistent um, without those oh no throws. But again, at the same time. I think we see those from from every quarterback, some more so than others. But but it's that should be something that begins to lessen over time, hopefully. But as long as we got smooth Crocker back, I think we'll be good. Yeah, maybe it's just time to. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. You're smooth now. But oh, okay, <laughs> there was there was another point earlier where you started to cut out. I think it was when you were talking about River Craycraft, and I and I just didn't want to interrupt you, so it's like. It only happens like once every like 15 minutes or so. So, but yeah, maybe that was, maybe that was striking gold God telling us to get the hell off. But so you think we're good? You don't got any other, any other training camp tidbits before we sign off? Nah, nah, I think we're good. Okay. What do you think? I mean, next week, what do you think we, when's, I need to know when their official 53 man cutoff date is because if, is that what we should be doing next week is, 
break it down like what who we think makes what yeah yeah we can do that and i i mean it's probably uh friday probably friday would be the cut off date cut down date nfl team free cut players they want but the deadline uh 4 p.m Eastern time on saturday september 5th so yeah that's perfect next week we should uh we should break down the positions and, and who we think makes what yeah yeah cool all right guys i appreciate everybody who was here tonight listening to uh you know our 49ers talk as well as uh beef wellington recipes and processes um you can find me on twitter at rob underscore louder l-o-w-d-e-r and then you can always find croc at eric underscore crocker uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you uh, listened to the episode, if you appreciate it, you liked it, disagreed with something. Um, but training camp's over, and we are two weeks away from the regular season. So we are almost there. And it's going to be so weird this year because it's like no preseason. It's just like, boom, here's your football. And, it, every, you know, everybody's going to be going crazy. So, you know, it'll be just one small step towards returning to the, the normal uh, pre-COVID life. So hopefully that all works out. Um Again, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for always sticking with us and, and making this podcast uh, what it is. And uh, But for another week, it's Striking Gold signing out. Peace. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get it on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag. Promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts.